I, th I guess uh, there's, a, there's a group of people who are quite happy to be a cog in the machine. And, and that is their purpose, that they, they see that they're contributing to a bigger version of society. But then, like, when you retire, when you stop contributing, that's tricky, isn't it? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today, we're talking about why this podcast is called Stay Hungry. Andy, how are you? Starving. Starving? Yeah. You just had a prawn sandwich and a bag of crisps. No, it's because this podcast is called Stay oh, Hungry. That's nice. oh, I'm just, I'm just too, I'm just f funny on too many levels. I think sometimes. John. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe how funny you are. Yeah, prawn sandwich with some baked crisps and a s innocent smoothie. Lovely gangster, living life at the top, Joel. Well, I had chicken soup. So. Yeah, so uh, not bad because me, me and Emma, she's a bit tight on the soup front. We share a common garden soup. You get one all to yourself. You share a carton of common garden soup. That's sad, that is. Yeah, it's also very middle class because we have it with some homemade sourdough. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> that. I don't like sourdough. That's a story for another day. Well, it's probably too too refined for your palate, too I'd say. Too trendy. It's like when everyone got yeah. really excited about cupcakes. I was like, well, just give me a slab of cake. I can't, I can't see the fascination with cupcakes and donuts. I don't get it. Oh, the don't, I, I like donuts. Yeah, but I had no idea the obsession that some people have with it. Because, I mean, I mean, obviously there's lots of stuff out there that's bad for you, but, I mean, it must wax them. Yeah, they're pretty fucking bad for you. And, and some people, they eat them quite regularly. And it's, Do they? Yeah, so my, um, my youngest daughter's got a sweet tooth, even if she can only have half a donut. Yeah, well, she hasn't got a sweet tooth. Though. That's weird. Yeah. Your, I mean, your family are not a gauge of people that can put food away. Well, that's right. Annie was having a salad bagel for lunch yesterday, and I felt I felt quite quite uh, felt quite greedy with my chicken and bacon sandwich yesterday. Just look for what Poddy's eating. That'll make you feel better. Well, there's a massive tin of biscuits in the fridge. I didn't realise that's his impromptu lunchbox. Oh, nice! Just full of stuff. Old school, like when you like use the roses tin from Christmas for like the next ten years. No, I had a Yoda, I had a Yoda lunchbox with oh, a matching really? flask. Yeah, and you were posh, though, weren't you? Dogs had lunchbox. Yeah, basically. Fucking and a matching flask. Oh, here we go. So get over yourself. Can you put all your lunch in like a flora? It's hard to be, hung it's hard to be hungry when you've got a matching flask and lunchbox, Andy. So, believe it or not, listeners, this isn't actually why we came across the Stay Hungry uh, model. Well, see, I talk about this a lot at Stay Hungry Live, the origin of Stay Hungry. Um, one, because people want to know why it's called that, which is fairly <laughs> a fair point. Uh, two, why is there a massive fucking dinosaur? all over my back and over the walls and all that. Um, and three, because it's interesting, I guess. But um, there's two stories I tell. I don't think you know I tell the other story, uh, but there's two stories I tell. I usually fall asleep in the first one. Brilliant. So, yeah, there's two stories I tell at, at Stay Hungry Live. Um, one is a story that we, that we both went through with a client who uh, we pulled out of the shit, basically. They... Uh, their franchise was going to go bust. Right, straight away I know who you're talking about, okay. Um, <clears throat> their franchise was going to go bust. They needed a rebrand, a new website, and everything sorting within basically three weeks. And then they needed marketing. And we pulled out all the stops. They got really busy and then moaned about how busy they were. And you and I... I mean, it's the example that's in the book. It's the example that's in the book, but... You and I 
um, basically said we can't. It's fine being wanting a hobby business or a lifestyle business. That I completely appreciate. There's people out there that want that. Very difficult to work with us if that's what you want. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of um, uh, stoic quotes and sayings about people who always say they're too busy. And basically, the general gist of it is they're full of shit. If you're that busy, you haven't got time telling everyone you're so busy. And these people, yeah, they they weren't that busy. Um, and they they just, well they, they just weren't hungry. If they reached they reached a level where I don't yeah don't need any more any more marketing. Um, it's like well I can still see vans on your forecourt. I'm presuming that's a bad thing. Shouldn't they be out on the road with someone paying you for them? And and I just I just I didn't know what to say really because I, I couldn't get my head around it. We used to take it very personally those kind of conversations. Still where we struggle were, with it now. When we were doing a good job and people would be like. This is too much, but but it's like, and, and I do understand. I kind of appreciate some people have a fear of recruitment. They um, maybe they haven't got a business that isn't as scalable, or they think it isn't scalable. So they think the only solution to growth is to recruit, to recruit, to recruit. And I can understand that. Yeah, that sounds like a pain in the ass. But to scale your business doesn't always mean just recruit, recruit. There are different things you can be doing. Put your prices up. So well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> this is straight away. Um, and some people want a full-time income, but deep down, they want the hobbyist lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely that. And the other thing that we've encountered a few times is some people aren't happy unless it's not going well. And that's weird. But like people, it's a bit like never wrestle with a pig because... Oh yeah. The problem yeah. is the the pig likes it, and you end up covered in shit. There's quite a few pigs out there. People that just like wallowing in shit, and that's seems it sounds like it doesn't sound like a very jolly thing to say that, but we do encounter that quite a bit. Well, so I think you know we're programmed to always need some kind of adversity in our life, but if you don't have a hand, you know, it's like fuck me, there's a dinosaur coming. You know that that's that's in our genes, but. If you don't get a hand on it, you can live your life lurching from one crisis to another. Mm. And almost, I think, you can forget to feel happy and forget how to feel fulfilled. Um, and how, okay, what, what's your goal? Right, how hungry are you to get there? And sometimes there are tough conversations to have with the new clients and you have to turn around, well, a new prospect, and you say, yeah, we're not, we're not the company for you. Yeah. You're not hungry enough. You, you say you want to do this. We've discussed and worked out a cost-effective path of getting you there, and you're a bit like, oh, oh I don't know, do I really have to do what? Go networking? What? Eight in the morning? Oh, I'm not sure about that. It's like fucking else. So you're we not got my there. leads. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, oh, what do I do with all these leads? We well, got to call them up then. Oh, well, I have to pick up the phone. Can't I just email them? Well, <sighs> oh. you can, but it's like we're not a sales company, and and it's like, wow. Okay, have you called the leads now? Yes, tell me what you've done. Well, I've sort of left a voicemail for half of them. That's not following up leads. And it's... it's That's hunger, uh, right? Ultimately. If, you're, if your biggest fear is ringing leads, then you're probably too comfortable and not hungry enough because my biggest fear is not convert... In this scenario, is not converting those leads. 
I would rather ring the lead and fail than not ring the lead and never know. But I think there's a lot of people out there, and probably in most sort of sales conferences, the person speaking on stage will ask, how many times have you dialed the number and then been secretly hoping the person doesn't pick up? Oh, ever nine out of 10 up. people. Yeah, it is eat that frog. You know, I just did a video about it this morning. You've got to do a big sales call. Do it first thing because you will find an excuse to put it off and maybe you just won't do it. Gamify it. Do it in front of your team. Be like, I'm going to ring all of these leads, but I need three of you to stay and watch. Fucking hell. That'll get you doing it. Yeah, I'll outsource it. Well, all right. So it depends on the depends on the depends on what you what the size of your business, the price point, whatever, doesn't it? I'm just I'm just wondering whether hungriness is that a word? Hungriness? Hunger? Hunger? Yeah, hungriness sounds weird. Whether hunger is something that that is instilled in you early on in life? Because I'm wondering now whether you can be hungry for business, but not be hungry in other aspects of your life, or no, it's all or nothing. Because I'm I'm hungry to do well in business. I'm hungry to be a good husband. I'm hungry to be a good dad. I will do whatever it takes. So I wonder if hunger is across the board. It's not just business. And either you are or you're not. So, that, you know, I'm, I'm doing the marathon, right? People are dropping like flies. When I did the fan dance last year, people were dropping like flies. They all set their hands up to say, I'm going to do the fan dance. Um, I mean, fuck me. Some of the excuses that started popping up in the Facebook group as as the D-Day approached, oh, shin splints, oh, I've got a problem with my toe, and how many fucking cases of COVID were actually appeared. It's like, you, you signed up for it, and that, that's admirable, but you're not hungry enough to do it. Now, if you're genuinely injured, okay, that's one thing, but yeah, you're not hungry enough. So, so I wonder, does that mean you're going to be hungry in business? I'd probably say, think about it now, probably not. I don't know. I, I don't know. Just thought about it now. I'm trying to think about a hungry business owner we know who's not hungry in all, all aspects of their life to, to do more than the bare minimum, to succeed. See, I struggle to be hungry in other areas of my life because I'm so focused on the business. Are you still married? Still puts up with you? Just about. Just about. Um, String of affairs, but you know. Not on my side. <laughs> and I, hope, I hope not. Yeah, you've just side. taken your wife, all-inclusive, to a five-star resort in Mexico for two weeks. I'd say that's being, being pretty hungry to, to keep your wife happy. I took mum to mine to my mum's caravan in Harlock. Yeah, but it's that whole, like, I don't know, like, I'm so, mo- my, passion, my passion is the business and, like, something I'm working on at the moment because I've got a fitness goal and an event I'm doing later in the year. But in order to motivate myself for it, I've had to say it's part of my work tasks. Okay, let's think about um, what's another fitness, right? You know, when you started, when you were started, when you were doing weights big time, you knew you had to crack records. You deadlifted over two hundred kilos yeah. or whatever it was. I'm trying to think football, fucking hell! How come even even the bloody Christmas pub quiz we did? I know how competitive you are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, competitive, absolutely. But that's hungry, isn't it? I don't know. I don't you're know. You're hungry to win. You're hungry to win the football match. I hate losing. I absolutely hate losing in all areas. Like, I won't play board games at Christmas because I'm just, will ruin Christmas. Um, Downton Abbey Cluedo. Huh? Downton Abbey Cluedo. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I'll play the one where you put a post-it on your head or something because it's daft. That's uh, activity-based. But anything where it gets serious, I'm like, you don't want me to play because 
So is that is that hungry or capetus or they're the same? Being a knob, I think. <laughs> but I don't know. So yeah, I, I see. I the other story I tell at Stay Hungry Live is um, that I witnessed my mum work multiple jobs to put food on the table, and she instilled in me a, an ethic of work, working hard and striving to better yourself. Now she doesn't have the attitude to risk that I have. So she would never have become an entrepreneur, but she had a work ethic and a hunger to provide like I've never seen. I mean, you know, she really, really worked hard to make sure me and my brother were okay. And despite some tremendous setbacks and things going on in her life and that rubbed off on me. And I, and I also have a, uh, a tremendous sense of purpose to pay that forward. I, I don't want my family, me and Hannah, to go through that, but I also don't want our clients' families to go through that. I want to see them do well. I want their businesses to grow, and I'm hungry for that. I find the hungriest business owners, entrepreneurs that we seem to engage with have had some level of trauma in their life. I'd say most successful people have in any field. Yeah. Like, was that thing I told you about that Emma... Emma said she would see on the radio, it's something like a thousand Olympic athletes, a hundred percent, every single one had had a childhood trauma. A significant childhood trauma, yeah. And I I just think it, because when you go through something, it doesn't have to be a trauma, but I mean, like for you, right, speaking for you, you, if you come through cultural differences, you've always got a sense of trying to prove yourself. If you go through a trauma, you've always got a sense of trying to prove yourself because you want to prove to the world that you didn't deserve it or you want to prove to the world you, that you're worth it. And and like a quote that you say in our documentary that your dad said about, you've got to remember, son, that uh, to some of these people, this is their country, so we've got to work twice as hard mm-hmm. to, to make ends meet. That is a dramatic psychological thing to to sort of lean on for people like i don't want anyone to think that i'm not worth it i don't think many kids these days are told that the rewards are hard work smart work but hard work can bring i think a lot of people make everything sound easy or or they they breed entitlement with their children yeah that the you know uh, the world owes you a living um Whereas my dad is very much, you put the work in, you'll get the reward. Whereas now it's, it's quite hard when I see young children who think that they're entitled to stuff. And it's like, oh, cry, are you, are you ever going to be hungry? Or is that something you're always going to be battling against? Because you've never had to go out there and prove yourself. You've never, wherever that comes from, parents, genes, whatever, never had that fire in your belly to do better than Joe Average. So when I was working in the factories as a student, Unless you nicked stuff from the factory, you, you couldn't get sacked. Yeah. So there were people. So so they stood on the line. Yeah. There were the, so this is going to sound sexist now, but in those days, factory line making Easter eggs, for example, all the people on the line packing the eggs and packing the boxes and all that shit were women. It was the bloke's job to bring the eggs over from the pallets, big heavy boxes of eggs over, and made sure they didn't run of eggs, run out of eggs. Um, and in the morning. The, the sort of team leaders would assign which blokes went on which lines. And there were me and a few other guys who the women were like, I want Andy, I want Andy, I want John, right? 
But there are other guys who are like, fucking hell, they're doing him. He's really lazy. Doesn't bring enough eggs. And I was like, I don't want to be in that group. But the guys who were in that group, they weren't fussed at all. They were like, brilliant. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still going to get paid the same as Andy and work quarter of, a quarter but, uh, of his uh, speed. Uh, see, I was like that. I didn't ever want to get picked last. Because that meant, that meant I was shit. And then some people are like, oh, I want to be picked last because I don't have to do anything. But how many of those blokes? Own businesses. Who, yeah. yeah. They don't. I'd probably go further and say, how many of them are as, as successful as maybe one day they dreamed? Well, they're, they're, their measure of success is the magic pill, right? That, that That's another thing all in, altogether. But some people think, oh, the, the day I pay off my car or the day I pay off my mortgage or the day I get that new jumper or the day I get that new pair of shoes, I'll be happy, I'll be successful. And then they're really disappointed when they get there and it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. And I think... Yeah, that's... that's um, what was I reading something the other day talking about... Um, I've got about three or four books on the go at the moment. They're saying about um, pretty much everyone they interview who who is uh, obsessed with money, always think about money. They say it's actually never about the money. Yeah, that's their score, that's their scorecard for their self worth. Yeah, yeah. And and they never. I, I want that car. Now I I love my car, love my Beamer, goes like the clappers, and still pretty economical. It's it's. Relatively Comfy. safe, good for yeah. yeah, good for the kids, blah 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 blah. And every time I sit in that car, it is a little reminder of the work I've put in. But I'm, it hasn't made me happier than when I used to drive my Fiat Punto. Yeah. Um, but would I rather have this or the Fiat Punto? Fuck me, I'd have the Beamer any time. But there are people out there who, like you say, when I get that car, I'll be happy. When I get that house, I'll be happy. There's a guy opposite us who lives in a house. It's probably about three quarters of a million pounds a house. He has had seven cars since he's lived there. He's only been there about five years. Yeah. He's got like some Porsche with a, a spoiler on the back at the moment. But I can't ever see, remember seeing him walking around the village, walking dogs. It's just, it's like, what, what are you doing? You've got these cars on your drive most of the time. I, are you happy? And I think that, that, that divide between happiness and fulfillment, I think maybe if, you ha- if you're not hungry for something in your life, Aside from materialism, maybe you'll maybe you'll struggle a bit. Yeah, it's interesting. So you you mentioned about the holiday I've just been on, and it's not Hannah that would want to go to a nice resort that's all inclusive. She'd stay in a tent. All she wants to do is go and see the wildlife and see the culture, and she's really fulfilled by that. Whereas for me, a, <coughs> a marker of progress, rightly or wrongly is that I get to stay in a nice place and eat nice food. Now, that's not to say there's anything wrong with not being able to afford that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if I'm going to go halfway around the world to chase toucans around the jungle, which is literally what we were doing, and I can afford to stay somewhere nice, I've worked hard enough and hungry enough to do that. So I'm going to. So when does that hunger stop then? Well, my hunger's not driven by the experiences. So what's driving you to carry on working so hard and serving more people? Let's, let's, because what was it um, Stephen Bartlett was saying, and James Smith has paraphrased it in one of his books, some studies, I don't know what, sound like Jordan Peterson now, not specifying which actual study I'm referring to, uh-huh. said that happiness plateaus at 60 grand a year. Yeah. 
So you, you, your happiness goes up and up. You hit 60 grand a year, it plateaus. Because so let's you, say ultimately you're financially comfortable yeah, at that So market, let's say you've right? plateaued. You can go to Mexico two or three times a year, travel, business class, whatever. You don't earn any more money. You stay where you are. Yeah. What's keeping you hungry? Um, and what would your advice be so, to someone who's so, someone at that level? earlier today. I, she said, what's your end game? So there isn't one. So what's that? Uh, I was on someone else's podcast earlier. So, <laughs> um, what's your end game? There isn't one. What do you mean there isn't an end game? Because oh, there's no end to this game. Like once, I, I know that once I reach the next level, I want to know what the next level looks like. And I want to, and I think my hunger comes from curiosity on that side. So someone walks in and offers you 10 million quid for code break now. We'll take five each. What would you do? Well, How long would it be before you're bored? I wouldn't stop. I know that. So, so someone walked in tomorrow and offered us 10 million quid. And you, and you can't work in the business? I'd just go and find something else to do straight away. What would you do? Speaking, travelling around, consulting. Paid for? Yeah. Because that's what drives me. I love it. Uh, I feel passionate about it and I know I can help people. So how, do you, how, do you, how would you explain that hunger to someone? Because what you said isn't, isn't necessarily financial. <laughs> you're doing it, you're speaking on stage for the, for the buzz, for the uh, what? I've got like an insatiable sense of duty. So, you know, like we've all got something. Like I, at school, I hated being late to school. I never handed my homework in late. I wasn't that kid. Like it would I have can picture that very. Yeah, well. it would have done my head in. Um, like I hate being late now. I hate even the idea of being on time, let alone being late. Um, because I, I, I think. Honestly, through through a level of trauma, there is um, there's people pleasing in me. I want I want to make people happy, um, but also just like that insatiable sense of duty. If I have, like for me personally, if I don't have purpose, I have nothing. Like I can really get in the pit if I lose sense of purpose. So, speaking on stages, being on podcasts, speaking at private events, writing books writing blogs, running the business, employing people, watching people grow, seeing clients grow, being able to spoil my family, take my family to nice things, witness cultures and shows and things that I never dreamed I'd be able to see. All of that combined keeps me hungry. It's that like... So I'd say the majority of people listening, maybe I'm wrong, they think, what the fuck's he on about? Surely if you had five million quid, that's the dream. But then those people should probably read what's the book, Felix Dennis's book, How to Get Rich, is it? Where yeah. he talks about the happiest he's been. It was he's, a million, right? And that. when he's like, yeah, painting on the beach, because when he's when he had so many millions, he had everyone wants lawyers, a piece of everyone it. Everyone wants a piece. Lawyers, ex-girlfriends, everything, uh, and that's similar to Happy Sexy Millionaire. Really, it's it's a difference between happiness and and fulfilment. So. I know money can't buy me happiness, but maybe that's because I've been as low as you can go. I don't know. It buys you freedom, though. But it does buy me freedom. So what it certainly can do is alleviate stress. So if, if you're worried about the bills, if you're worried about um, putting food on the table, if you're 
arguing with your partner because you don't know where the next meal's coming from. That it's very hard to be happy if you've got that going on. But how? So how do you balance that out with? I'd say a lot of the very rich people we know aren't happy. Because most of the things that we have in life and we worry about in life mean fuck all. There's a couple um, living in mum and dad, not a couple anymore, divorced. That's all the end of the story, really. Um, and they didn't have much money. Then they won, I think it was, was it two million on the lottery? So a, a, a massive amount, yeah. but not maybe a life-changing forever buying an island amount. Um, and the first thing they did was move from the one side of the, the, the road, which was the council estate, to mum's side of the road, which is the private estate. That's the first thing they did. Um, but then, uh, apparently, you, you buy a drink in the local pub, they were flash, didn't buy a round, you were tight when you got lots of money in the bank now, um, started arguing. So after years of being happy married, they won the lottery um, and, and ended up getting divorced. So I think some people think money is is a, is a solution. But it won't always be the solution. And I think sometimes, which why, what was it in America? Probably three quarters of people who won the, win the state lottery in America are bankrupt within five yeah. years because they're not educated about money. They think that will solve these problems. They get the money, realize, oh, actually, that, that wasn't the issue. And like I say, probably maybe because they didn't have any purpose. Are you hungry to work towards a purpose, whether that's fucking helping people in a charity shop, writing books, speaking on stage, whatever? What is your purpose? Yeah. Why do you get up in the morning? And maybe a lot of people don't know. Maybe it's like, why do I get up? Because I've got fucking bills to pay, and which is which is. And, and, and sad, ultimately, but... if you're if you're earning uh, an amount that means that you're not comfortably covering everything off, that is why you get up in the morning. I got to go and fucking graft and get the bills paid, and that's not what I want for my family. Which is part of the reason I'm hungry. But I've I've surpassed that marker like significantly to pass that marker, not a boast, just a reality. And it didn't make me any happier. In fact, at times it made me sadder because I had less people I could relate to, less people who, un- who understood what I was going through. And, and success in those terms can be quite a lonely place. So then you have to go back to your purpose and why are you doing it all? Why are you hungry? And like, the luxury holiday to Mexico, the best part of the luxury holiday to Mexico was standing in front of a tree for four hours, I'll add, <laughs> waiting for a toucan to land in it. And then fucking we, we saw this toucan and we watched it for, I don't know, 20 minutes. And it was fucking amazing. And I'd never have done that before I met Hannah. And just saw this creature that just looks like it shouldn't be real. Stood there watching it and nothing else was in my head for that 20 minutes. What and was I, in your head for the four hours before? Fucking it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) We often talk about the Marvin Hagler quote about, you know, it's hard to get up at 5am and do the road work when you've been sleeping in silk pyjamas. Yeah. And I suppose that people probably are familiar with a few celebrity sports stars who have achieved so much wealth. You could see the hunger goes that reflects in their performance. And I I wonder. Especially with fighters. Literally, this has just come to mind now whilst we're recording this. Was it the wealth that took their hunger away the silk pajamas or was it the fact that they achieved their purpose and couldn't imagine a greater purpose and so their hunger died well say say if your your purpose is to be the heavyweight champion of the world yeah when you are 
Yeah, what does happen? Anthony Joshua knocked out Vitaly Klitschko. Vladimir or Vitaly? Vitaly, I think. Um, at Wembley. In in one of the best boxing matches of all time. You know, everyone full applaudits for him. He's never been the same fighter since. And you can kind of see why. It's like, well, the pinnacle of his sport is to become world champion. He fought at Wembley in front of 90,000 people. Beat the best boxer of his era. Yeah. What's he meant to do? But you look, it's really like <coughs> we both met Eddie Hall, wanted to be world's strongest man, became world's strongest man in 2017, stopped entering that level of strongman competition because he'd become world's strongest man. But because he's, he's hungry in other fields, whether it's you know, his nutrition, television appearances, whatever. He's still very driven now. He's competitive, right? Just not specifically in the field. Because I imagine he didn't just have one purpose. Becoming world's strongest man was the first of many other steps. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's his hero, isn't he? Yeah, well, Arnie, fucking hell. So his, you know, if you want to read about hunger, I can't think of a better book than Total Recall. Gets a bit boring when he goes into politics, but up until that point, it's just a fascinating reader. You know, so I didn't know. I think you told me because you read the book first. He was, a, he was a millionaire before he became an actor through property investments at his building company. And it was like, what? And you read, it's like, fuck. And as an immigrant, he could only study a certain number of hours in a college. So he joined fucking five colleges. It would just drive around these different colleges so he could learn English better. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. And on a much lower level, we know how many, oh, fucking hell, can you think how many hours we must have spent breakfast networking back in the day? And then we also know loads of business owners that literally would be like, fuck, I'm not getting up at seven in the morning. Well, so, I, have to, I have to do that once a week. No way. Who's so more I'm, mental then? Us, us them, or the people that were at the breakfast networking with us that were just going through the motions? And are still there now. Yeah. I bet they're doing the same one, same one minute elevator Because that's well. different. That's even, I can relate to the person that just wants to stay in bed. I'm like, yeah, I get that. You just, Fuck that. I'm not going to eat a stale bacon sandwich with a bunch of weirdlies at six in the morning. I could get I get that. Bit rude. I get <laughs> I get the what me and you did is like, yeah, I'll be first there, I'll be last to leave, I'll give my business card to everyone in the room and I'll say something memorable. But the ones that just go through the motions, just like the routine of showing up. Like that, the guys in the factory. Mm. Stand there, get in the wage, show their face, not really fussed about the outcome. Just, what's it, you know, um, oh, what's the film? Dumb and Dumber. And uh, Jim Carrey saying to his mate, I'm, what's it, I, I'm something like, I'm sick and tired of eking my way through life. Yeah. And that was quite a poignant moment in that film, amongst all the, the diarrhea scenes. Um, don't watch the sequel, awful. Um, and it's like, m- maybe some people are happy eking their way through life, and, that, and that's fine. But I think the issue, the issue is, if you're a business owner, who thinks you're hungry to, to reach a certain point, but you take a gut check and maybe realise you're not as hungry as you thought you were and you're not as hungry as you need to be to get to where you want, that's where some conflict can start arising. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I guess it's okay to, to not be hungry. We're not saying everyone has to be hungry. And, and like we've already said, very often people with that level of hunger there's an element of self-worth that comes into it, that they're constantly trying to prove themselves, either to themselves or to others. And, and if you are really happy with yourself and, you know, comfortably covering your bills and your family's having a great time, fucking power to you. If you're fulfilled. Yeah. Because so yeah, if, 
if you want to sell a few soaps online, bit of a hobby business, and like I say, spend lots of time with your kids, you pay the bills enough to I can go caravanning twice a year because that's all you want to do. Yeah, bloody hats off to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I texted my brother this morning, um, but the actual text went, does Herbie still have fantastic hair? Question mark. And Herbie was a guy that lived three doors down from us when we were growing up. And my brother bought my mum's house, so he still lives there now. And he had Elvis's hair. Cool. This guy now would, <coughs> would be in his 80s. He was friends with my granddad from when they were kids and stuff. I'd be uh, a teddy boy then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, proper teddy boy. So my brother texts back saying, yeah, he still has fantastic hair. And I was like, oh, all is right in the world. This guy has been, has been the park keeper in Church Stratton probably from the age of 18 all the way to retirement, which when he retired probably was 60. Um, now he's retired. He tends to his garden every day in the back garden. He, he takes a cup of tea into the front garden every afternoon. And as people walk past, he just says hello. And that's his life. And he's one of the happiest, nicest people I've ever met. And like, there's a lot to be said for that too. I'm not, I'm like, just because that's not me. And that's not the people I can work with. Doesn't mean I'm casting judgment on the people like that, that are just very fulfilled and really enjoy life and actually make other people feel good too. Yes. Yeah, more often than the hungry people who, when they retire, that's where problems can start. Oh, yeah. I don't think I can ever retire. So some people, I think some people think that retire, you know, the old, the old working methods, you know, work hard at school, get a job for life, get your pension, retire. And then, you know, my father's generation, that he, mums and dads were keeling over left, right and centre. Because they work hard all their life, retire. Oh, right, what do I do now then? Get dementia and keel over. And it's yeah. Like, I, th- I guess there's a, there's a group of people who are quite happy to be a cog in the machine. And and that is their purpose, that they they see that they're contributing to a bigger version of society. But then, like, when you retire, when you stop contributing... That's tricky, isn't it? But, but I mean, see, I grew up in an el- in a, in a relatively elderly community, and a lot of them then start doing like get-togethers and street parties, and like they they find their purpose in community, I suppose. Yeah, That's community and contribution. I think. Um, what was I watching? It was a, a John Snow two-parter on longevity. Not the Game of Thrones, John Snow. No, not the John Snow, the newsreader. Um, and he retired from news reading after like 30 years at Channel yeah. 4 News or whatever and suddenly felt he lost his purpose. So anyway, he did this uh, program about longevity. He just went to various blue zones in the world, so went somewhere in Japan and stuff. And the commonality was contribution and community. They were all part. So when he was in Tokyo or whatever, there were, there were these like 80, 90-year-old Japanese people. They'd meet up to play bowls once a week. They'd all do some kind of community work. And it was like, wow, just, yeah, it, it was massive. And also, um, how far you live from fast food. That was also a big contributing factor. <laughs> how far you live how from? Far, how far you live from a fast food outlet. That was a massive contribution to longevity. Really? So, so somewhere like, I might be wrong now, but somewhere like Okinawa, um, massive longevity. Like People live to be fucking 200 yeah, or something, right? Yeah, they just right? literally eat fish and rice. Yeah, but yeah. as soon as fast food outlets started opening, straight away the longevity numbers started dropping. Why? So it's um, it's um, being living somewhere where you don't need a car to get around the community, having that community and contribution, 
and uh, the, the fast food thing. Those are the four biggest factors contributing to people's longevity. Bloody hell. So blue zones, like, you know, I think Boulder, Colorado is a blue zone um, because there's lots of places you can go on your bike and you can walk safely where you don't need a car to get to. And obviously your diet and stuff, you know, the Mediterranean diet, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but Mediterranean they're all... diet in Boulder, Colorado. Well, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, having those, those, having people to socialize with and do stuff with. Yeah. It was important. So, so it's great about what you say about this, this gardener bloke. If he's happy, Herbie. Herbie. And he's still got all his hair. I mean, hats off to him. Um, I hope it's his. That would be that would absolutely destroy all of my hopes and dreams if it's a wig. <coughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like, I can't think of anything worse than retirement. Um, but then, you know, I realised last year, aside from the challenge of work, which is always a challenge, which is great, keeps me sharp, I need a challenge outside of work. Um, so when I've done the marathon... I probably will have to look for something else to do, but I just won't do it for a charity because that's just like too much pressure all the time. But to have something else to work towards to keep me to keep me focused, and that's the good thing about business, isn't it? If we, I think when you are hungry to succeed, to serve more people, whatever it might be, you just it's easy to keep on point and on track. Yeah. And some people might be listening, and think, "Well, fuck me, sounds like two guys will never be satisfied." What's the point in that? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's that's that's because because my mum doesn't understand it at all. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think many people do. Oh, but you never switch off. You never switch off. If I go to the gym, get bored and I switch off, and that makes me better at business. That's a good decision, and that's that's fine. It feeds my hunger. Yeah, would I rather poodle about or do some work? Would I rather poodle about or read a book or listen to a podcast? So I don't know which one it'd be all the time. Yeah. So I'm not going to be the tip by the pool doing sales deals on his phone all the time, but I will be sat there reading some kind of book or listening to a Stephen Bartlett podcast yeah. or something. And even that, it's like, does relaxing make me better at business tomorrow? If the answer is yes, I'm okay with it. If the answer is no, I shouldn't be relaxing. Yeah. It's, it's, that's that's how, it, how my mind works. I think that's why I've never... I've done, I've done 10 days for my honeymoon. Generally speaking, when I go away, and I suppose because of kids and dogs and everything, we tend to do the three, four nights, and that, 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 that suits me. I think the week of Mallorca, that certainly more than five-star, yeah, that was, that was enough for me. So what would, what would you say to hungry business owners that want to get to the next step? If they're hungry, it won't be a problem. I think the challenge is the people who... Teed him up to drop the website in. <laughs> So it's banging on about philosophy. Well, no, it's interesting, this podcast, because I can't say I'm convinced because it's just we just thought of it now, but if you're hungry in business, you'll be hungry in all aspects of your life. Yeah. They translate. So if you're, I don't know, if you're a fucking sports person, you're hungry to do well, you're, the chance of you succeeding as a business owner are probably pretty good. You've got the bit between your teeth. But I remember I met this, these two sisters and they set up a, they set up a company and they were working from home. And within a couple of months, one sister was saying to me, oh, I'm in my dressing gown most of the day. I was quite hard to get motivated, isn't it? I said, well, why don't I look for an office? Why well, don't we really want to pay for an office? Well, just make yourself get out of bed and get dressed in the morning and, and attack the day. Oh, I don't know. And of course, I think their company lasted about eight months before it went tits up. And yeah, maybe it isn't something you can teach. But I think if your goal is more money, that that isn't enough to say to... Satiated, is that the word? Yeah, to, to, good to, word. 
satiate your your hunger. It needs to be something more than purely fi fin finance. Finance is obviously important. You've got to pay the bills. But maybe that should be considered to be the reward for serving people. The more people you serve and the better you serve them, the more money will come. You can stay hungry that way. If you're just hungry to earn more, more and more money, you might be hungry, but you won't be fulfilled and contented. Yeah, nice. And what should That's, what should these hungry business owners that are ready to grow do next? Very simple. Just go to fixmymarketing.co.uk, <laughs> choose the mindset, choose marketing, whatever suits you best, and let's have a call and let's talk about ways that we can make you even hungrier. Wicked. Thanks for listening to the Stay Hungry podcast and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Now, if you're looking to sort your marketing out, visit fixmymarketing.co.uk and get in touch today.